Hello, my name's Steve Kenny. Welcome to this month's edition of Talking Research, where we'll be taking a look back over the previous quarter and sharing the insights on what Square Miles research team have been hearing from fund managers across the industry. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Poulter, Head of Quantitative Research, AJ Vaid, Investment Research Analyst, and Maya Assan, Head of Fund Origination, and Tom Archer, Investment Research Analyst, who will be covering key trends across passives, global equities and European equities, and fixed income over quarter three. Firstly, Tom, the importance of passives continues to grow. They now account for 32% of the AUM in funds in the UK. I understand that you and the team have now completed the annual review of the seven asset managers that Square Mile rate passive funds from. Following this, what have you observed are the key trends from this market? Thanks for that, Steve. From our meetings this summer, we have observed three main themes. Firstly, that the growth in passive funds is continuing at pace with all seven managers experiencing AUM growth in their passive assets over the last 12 months. This has broadly been split, split equally from market growth and net inflows. We expect over the coming years for this growth to continue as clients seek low-cost solutions. Another observation I make is that the OCF of passive funds has broadly remained static over the last 12 months. Over the years, we've seen the OCF of passive funds fall into the point where some funds have OCFs as little as five basis points. I now believe that we have reached the floor and the OCF of passive funds will remain at the current low levels for the foreseeable future. The final observation is the two different approaches that asset managers are taking in their ESG passive funds. The first approach, which is more traditional, is to provide investors with broad market exposure, but exclude sin stocks such as mining, tobacco and alcohol, to name a few. The second approach also excludes sin stocks, but also tilts the portfolio to be overweight stocks which have a positive ESG tilt and underweight stocks with a negative ESG tilt. The second approach, Square Mile, I believe, is more progressive, However, it should be noted that each asset manager and index provider has a different opinions on positive and negative ESG companies. And these views may be different to the investors' views. With the more traditional exclusion approach, investors know what they are getting. To track these new ESG benchmarks, we are seeing asset managers either track indices which have been created by index providers, such as FTSE or MSCI. In some cases, asset managers are working with index providers to create their own bespoke benchmarks. It should be noted that ESG passive funds will typically have an OCF which is 10 to 20 basis points higher than standard passive funds. However, the funds will still be significantly cheaper than the majority of active ESG funds. ESG passive funds will also have a higher than normal tracking error to the main index compared to normal passive funds. But we still believe that they provide broad exposure to each asset class. Thanks, Tom. Now, turning to global equities, AJ, Global equities have been the darling of the fund flow world recently, but have there been any common themes here? Thanks, Steve. Firstly, I'd like to add some context. Global equities eked out marginal gains over the quarter, with growth outperforming value by a hair's breadth. However, we did see some cyclical businesses tick up at the end of September as Treasury yields rose. Over the last three months, there have been various topics for our fund managers to digest, such as the Delta variant continuing to cause unease, inflation still raising its head, supply chain issues seem to be everywhere, and then the non-stop news coming from China. Firstly, the CCP took action against private tutoring companies, cracked down on gaming, and then their second largest property developer is potentially defaulting. 
This has been a lot to take in for our fund managers. And so there has been a lot to discuss with our global equity fund managers. At Square Mile, we meet managers with a range of philosophies. Some fund managers believe it's the end of value versus growth investing and believe quality is the only factor worth its salt, while others continue to back lowly valued companies relying on economic recovery and the return to normal. A common theme we've been hearing is the rising importance of ESG and its effect on traditional fundamental analysis. Similar to what Tom outlined, in the active space, many managers have integrated ESG into their process, but there is still a wide range of integration. This may become a headwind for those behind the curve as market participants may begin to shun businesses with poor practices. And with the COP26 coming up, this trend may only grow. Another key topic has been market volatility. More managers are looking through this near-term noise and are focusing further out when investing. Again, this does vary by investment style as growth investors are topping up holdings with their belief in the secular trends persisting, whilst value investors are buying into businesses they believe will benefit as economies open up and supply chains mend. In both cases, fund managers are embracing volatility where they believe they will be appropriately rewarded, but only time will tell. Really, to conclude, I'd like to say that this, this last quarter has been quite a tough period to navigate and is an example of when active management may struggle. However, stock selection is proven to be a solid way of outperforming markets, so should add value over the long term. Great. Thank you, AJ. And now on to Europe. Amaya, what are you hearing from your managers? Thank you, Steve. As my colleagues mentioned earlier on, Q3 masked quite a bit of volatility in equity markets, and in Europe it was no different. Although in general, markets in the region started on a positive note in terms of the earnings outlook for companies, mainly driven by general expectations of a global economic recovery from the pandemic, all this changed as the quarter progressed, and by September, equity markets in Europe were down impacted by rising energy prices, worries over inflation, the spread of Delta variants of the COVID-19 virus, ongoing supply chain issues, and concerns over the regulatory changes announced by the Chinese authorities during the quarter. So overall, if we look at some of the more popular regional European ex-UK indices, which a a lot of fund managers use to measure their funds performance against, Basically, these regional market indices ended Q3 roughly flat in sterling terms. By the end of the quarter, from a sector standpoint, energy was one of the strongest performers, especially in September, driven by rising power prices, while conversely, technology for the month of September was one of the worst performers, although over the quarter, it was generally one of the better sectors as it outperformed the market in July and August. Consumer discretionary was a poor performer over the quarter, driven by worries of falling demand for luxury goods, especially from Chinese consumers. From a market cap perspective, small cap stocks did marginally better versus large and mid caps. And from a style perspective, growth generally outperformed value stocks, although there was some volatility in performance at times during the quarter. In terms of the European fund managers we regularly speak with, in general, most took a much more longer term outlook in terms of the companies in their portfolios. These periods of volatility are nothing new to our European managers. And for instance, in general, they use the volatility during the quarter to either add selectively to some of their stocks, or once they have been monitoring for a while that were previously expensive, 
then fell to more attractive multiples during the quarter. Some trimming was done on the stocks that the managers felt had less upside potential. And in general, most are constructive in terms of the outlook for their region on a medium to longer term basis. Although uh, they are mindful of rising inflation concerns, delays to the global economic recovery due to the pandemic, cyclicality issues or slowdowns with some industries, valuations in general in their region, and specifically for the stocks that they like. And therefore, all this means for their companies in their portfolios. Likewise, in terms of certain areas of the market, most still have a positive outlook for the technology space, especially the semiconductor chain. Exposure to the more cyclical areas of the market, such as industrial companies, is quite selective on a company case by case. And most have a mixed outlook for consumer-related companies driven by uncertainty, uncertainty over changing consumer behavior. In general, the outlook is one for choppier times ahead. Thank you, Amar. And last but by no means least, we take a look at fixed income. Tom, there's been lots of negativity on fixed at the moment from fund buyers. But what are you hearing from fund managers in this space? Over the course of this year, the key question has been that of inflation and whether it will be transitory or more structural. However, in recent weeks, with growth decelerating, the fiscal stimulus wearing off, concerns around China and supply chain disruptions, et cetera, et cetera, the narrative has somewhat shifted to a slightly more ominous tone as stagflation is increasingly becoming a word that is being thrown around. But this remains a tail risk, really. The general consensus is that economies will be above trend growth next year. But managers are being a little bit more cautious about this regarding their outlook for growth. Then you have central banks globally shifting towards a tightening of policy. I remember markets have been pumped full of liquidity over the past 18 months or so, and real yields remain negative. And so from this perspective, don't look particularly attractive. So through August and September, you've had government bond yields rising, not just in the UK and the US, but globally as we get a hawkish shift in policy expectations and policy itself from central banks. But regardless of whether a manager believes inflation is transitory or permanent, duration levels in their respective portfolios continue to be, as they have been for the past 12 months or so, underweight or very low by their own historical standards. The point is the risk return profile from government bonds continues to be unattractive uh, and they want to be cautious around their inflationary outlooks. You know, Even if longer term they believe inflation will subside, these supply chain inflationary pressures could last for a lot longer than they <clears throat> anticipate. In terms of credit, credit spreads have been relatively quiet again through the third quarter. Default rates are very, very low. And so spreads are still very expensive. Uh, managers have generally opted for finding alpha in certain sectors that do offer more value, like financials, insurance, and those industries and sectors benefiting from the, the COVID recovery. But generally, it's more of a bottom-up alpha story since the wider, at the wider market level, you're not really being compensated very well for holding either high yield or investment grade. In emerging market debt, there's been a bit more volatility as a result of being more closely impacted by China and therefore any economic repercussions on the back of the property market vulnerabilities there. So generally there's less appetite for EMD from managers as well. Tom, thank you for those insights on the fixed income market and the managers you've met over the last quarter. And many thanks to you, the listeners, for joining me today. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode of Talking Research. 
To keep up to date with this and all the other releases from Square Mile, please follow us on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you. This podcast was recorded on the 11th of October 2021. It is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast. Remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Square Mile Investment Consulting and Research. Square Mile makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. The podcast represents the views and forecasts of Square Mile at the time of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity and is not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.